somebody about it. He just left his net straightway and he followed Jesus. And isn't that what we're all supposed to do? I think we kind of live in a day and age where we just kind of like, well, if if nothing better comes up, Jesus, then I'll follow you. And it, and that seems to be the the issue of our day. So we're going to look at that today. So if you got your Bibles with you, let's look at First Peter chapter, Second Peter, not First Peter, Second Peter. I've said that for a couple months, and it's. I think it turned into a habit. It'll take, me tw- it'll take us 21 Sundays, is that what it is? 21 Sundays to break the habit. So 2 Peter, chapter number 1, we're going to start around uh, verse number 5, I think is uh, where I gave Cody. And I do want to thank you this morning for being here. I, uh, the preacher sometimes gets a lot of texts and phone calls, we're sick, we're sick, and we're sick. And it's like, oh, honey, it's just going to be you and me at church tomorrow. So, But glad you're here, glad you're not sick. And the roads didn't scare you, and uh, so anyway, we went to an auction yesterday, which was, Jamie and I got to hang out. That was about the only good part of it. We didn't pick up a whole lot of stuff, but we're walking around. I, I get an alert on my phone, and I, op- I pulled the screen up, and I got a voicemail, or no, email. That's what they're called, the digital typed out ones. Email. I got an email. And uh, I'm like, I just, I didn't even opened it yet. And I said, huh, look at that. And, and it's kind of neat being the preacher because you kind of get little tidbits sometimes, not every week, but sometimes like it's, it's just kind of little affirmations from God like, hey, we're, we're right where you're at. And, and, and especially since we're preaching through books, you know where we're going to kind of go the next week, more than likely. And um, that, that's, that's another reason I like preaching through books. It just kind of gives us... Um, you know, we, you can't skip over anything that way. And some preachers, they'll just say, well, I'm never going to preach on that section so, because that's a touchy subject, so they just scoot around it. Well, when you're going through books, you can't really do that. You're just kind of stuck with it. So that's, that's one, uh, it's not always comfortable that way. But another reason is, is it, it just seems like what's applicable in your life, and it just kind of helps you, like, huh, well, that's kind of neat. That just has to be a God thing. And I know you'll probably think, an email from Weaver Leather Livestock Care. How is God going to use that? <clears throat> the, the title of the email is The Value of Diligence. And I thought, I just opened up and I saw that and I thought, I had to look at it real close to see where that was coming from. Because if you look here at 1 Peter chapter number 5, it says this, <clears throat> and besides this, giving all diligence. And I thought, Phew. Thank you, Lord. That's exactly where we're going today. Let's pray and we'll get, this, we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word and thank you how it will change our hearts and guide and direct us. And we just pray that you do that this morning, Lord. I pray that uh, your spirit would be in this place. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would watch over those that couldn't make it today, sickness and illness. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, uh, watch over them and bless them. And, and Lord, I pray that if, Lord, a hometown crowd, but there may be someone here this morning that's not saved, and I pray that uh, you would work that in their heart, Lord. Convict each and every one of us of our sin and show us the way to our Savior. I pray that you do that this morning, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the value of Diligence. I, I worked for a guy one time, and, and I think he must have got to, gotten to know me fairly well in a short amount of time because he would always say, well, maybe we should do our due diligence. And that was, I thought he was directing it to me, but then I heard him talking to even his wife, and I thought that's just one of his things he says, I don't have to do it. <laughs> and maybe that's what she thought. It's just his saying. But that's, a, that, that's a, a, really a good saying. Do, 
does anybody know of anybody that uses that in their terminology? It's not really something that we use today, and we just kind of, you know, what what it's not really in our everyday vocabulary. But what's diligence? Let's be diligent about something. And I think what kind of catches me with this is is the way, and we saw it all the way through chapter number one. And when I say, you know, I, I sometimes I have to remember that. Um, we're all coming from different walks in life, and we're all kind of at different stages in our in our Christian Christian walk, and we're all kind of on a different plateau and a different level as far as Bible knowledge and wisdom. And, and I think sometimes I, I take that for granted. But when I say, as Peter's writing here, he's writing through inspiration of the Holy Ghost. But as we read through the Bible, we see uh, personalities from each one of these. Every book's different. You've probably noticed that as we just finished Proverbs, and now we're going into to first, or not first Matthew, just regular Matthew. It's the first one. As we're reading through first Matthew, you see the difference. You see the, the difference in the type, but it's, but it's all God. It's, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, so it's all God's Word. There, if it wasn't God's Word, we'd be able to find errors in it. And we can't. People think they do, but it's their error in thinking that there's errors. And, and that's a, a hobby that I have is trying to find those errors and say, you're crazy. You just don't read the Bible enough. <clears throat> so when I say that this was written by Peter, it was written by Peter. Peter sat down with a pen in his hand and he wrote it. And it has his style, <clears throat> but it's God's wisdom. It's not his. And, and as you, you know, especially as we study through Peter's life, we kind of see this wisdom that this fisherman ought not have. <laughs> he, he ought not have this wisdom. And, and this wisdom is given to him from God. But one of the things that I've picked out, and hopefully you'll kind of see today, is that these shotgun remarks, when Peter puts a comment in there, slow down. Like he's getting ready to say something like ultra valuable, ultra deep. And I think sometimes we don't always catch it. I know I, in the past, have not always caught it. So we saw that in in. In First Peter, and we won't go through those, but when Peter throws a comma in there, what, what does a comma do in a sentence? It's kind of a change of thought. It's a change in speed. It's a change in flow. But so many times we just throw them in there because our English teacher told us to throw them in there, and that's just kind of how a sentence flows. But look what he's doing here. He says, and besides this, well, what does that mean? Besides everything we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, which was really awesome stuff if you were here. Uh, it's basically we're going to have everlasting eternal life. We're never ever going to die. This body's going to quit, but our soul will last forever, and that's only through the power of God. That's that's pretty great, grand stuff, don't you think? Like that's why we're here. That's what I'm looking forward to. <clears throat> Keith was talking in Sunday school this morning that even in our society, we don't even look 30 years into the future most of the time. Most people don't even look 30 days to the future. We look about six days into the future, like, okay, what, how much money we got to get us till next payday? We, we, you know, ah, smoking might kill you, but I'm going to keep doing it because that's too far into the future. So we, we don't have that tendency to look into the future. Hey, we're not even looking at 30 years into the future. We're looking at 300,000 years into the future. We're looking at 3 million years into the future. Whoa, that's a long ways to look out into the future, isn't it? Well, hey, if you're going to have everlasting eternal life, that's how far you ought to be looking into the future. Because if you think January is going like that, which I do, <laughs> hey, three million years down the road, 30 years is going to be like that. So we, we need to look at the bigger picture. 
And Peter's saying, hey, so think about that. Everlasting, eternal life, a divine nature that we've been given by the power of God, besides all that. So he's, he's, he's starting this new thought. This, so besides all of that, now here's where the, the comma comes into place. It's almost like a wink. Does anybody know somebody that winks? A winker? <clears throat> anybody know a winker? <laughs> Think about that. I was thinking about that this week. I was trying to, what I could allocate a, a comma with, but a winker. What does a person that winks, what does, what does that do for you? Like in, in a serious situation, like just a wink. <laughs> it, it gives you some comfort, doesn't it? Right? Or, or you know how to take somebody. Like anybody probably has that uncle and he says something off the wall and you're like, is he serious? And then he gives somebody, I've, I've done it to Wyatt before. I'll say something like a sarcastic remark. And, and I'll see Wyatt's face, and I'll look at him, I'll give him a little wink, and, it, and then the, just the relief on his face, like, oh, I got you. I'm, I'm just something so small that can get somebody on board with the conversation. Or, is this really bad? No, it's not that bad. See how just that little, just something so small, just a, a little wink will get you on board with the conversation. That's, I think that's what Peter's doing here with this comma. Hey, besides all this, this, this is important. And besides all this, comma, like a little wink, like pay attention. Look what it says. Giving all diligence. What in the world is diligent? I'll, I'll just let Weaver tell you. Weaver Leather Livestock gave me this email yesterday. Diligence means always giving your best effort. To complete a task. When you practice diligence, you spend your time and effort in a willing, consenting matter to successfully set and accomplish your goals as you see your project through its entirety. And then it goes on to say, selecting your animals is just the beginning of your project and go on. That doesn't really pertain today, but it's talking about livestock and, and so forth. And it says, first comes halter breaking, your calf and learning about the proper nutrition. Then comes daily care, rinsing, washing, conditioning, blowing, and repeat. Let's not forget about working with your calf every day, teaching it to lead, how to set its feet properly, and much, much more. All while honing in your own showmanship skills. It seems like a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work. If you commit to being diligent, you can achieve your goals. Do you want to learn how to clip your calf better? Place first in your breed or class at the state fair. Win a championship with your steer. Simply place higher than you did last year. Whatever your goals may be every time that you learn something and face things head on, you will be successful. Diligence. Let's do our due diligence. Basically, what is it saying? Let's, let's do our best. I think we live in a day and time, man, I'm preaching at me so hard this morning. We live in a day and time where we're so busy and we're going in so many different directions and we've got so many problems in life and so many distractions in life that sometimes we just don't do our best. Because how can we do our best at 15 different directions? We just do, has anybody seen the guy that, that spins the basketballs, the world record basketball spinner? 
Like if you've never seen, when you get home, YouTube, world record basketball spinner guy. And, and there's a guy that, that's on the Guinness World Book of Records and he's got all these things. And he's got like, I don't know what the record is. I should have looked it up, I guess. Let's, let's say it's 12 basketballs and he spins them. He spins in basketballs and he sets it on a nail on his foot. Spins another one, sets it on a nail over here on his knee and he's just got all these basketballs going. One starts to wobble, he picks up and he spins it and gets it going. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that's what I feel like in my life. Oh, that basketball's starting to wobble. I pick it up and I start spinning it. And, and I'm not as good as the 12 basketball guy. I've usually just got like four of them and they start bouncing on the floor and it's a, it's a train wreck. Because why I don't do my due diligence at one thing? I'm trying to do several things. Because I'm not just focusing on the things that are important. Anybody else feel like this? Is this everybody or is it just me? I think we all feel this way, don't we? Christy's like, it's just you. But it's everybody, honey. We're all this way. <clears throat> Sometimes we just, people have more basketballs. I'm like the guy with 12 basketballs, and, and they're all wobbling. And maybe you've just got three basketballs, and, and you're doing great with them. And, that, and that's what we're talking about, doing our due diligence. Now, look at this. Do's and don'ts of diligence. And, and I won't read the whole paragraph because it has a lot to do with cattle. Be intentional. That's the first number one on our list. Be intentional. Intentionally do something. Number two is take action. Gosh, this sounds like a, a three points in a poem, but it's not. Number two is take action. Take action. Put your, you can't spend the basketballs if you just sit there. How, how can you be diligent if you just wait for things to happen? Christy's taking notes for me, I think. <clears throat> take action. Be, uh, take action. Number three is stay. This is where I get it. It's, it's a tough lessons for me. Stay motivated. Stay motivated. Don't give up. If a basketball falls on the floor, pick the stupid thing back up, start spinning it, set it on the field. Be motivated. Eat intentional. Here's the don'ts. Don't lose focus. Don't lose focus. Don't, uh, gosh, I don't want to. Are you still writing? <clears throat> don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. And then the third one on the don'ts is don't get comfortable. Man, I, I saw this email yesterday. I didn't even open it until I, I got home last night, and I thought, Shh, I didn't even have to study this week. There's the whole message. Be diligent. What's that mean? That means be intentional, take action, stay motivated. It doesn't mean losing focus and procrastinate and getting comfortable. That's our due diligence. And, and gosh, with just those six things, if we had those programmed, I'm not talking about Christian success. I'm talking about worldly success too. We could, it's like we could go places. But who cares about worldly success? I want godly success. I, I, you know, I, uh, a, a good friend of mine passed away. Gosh, it's been two years ago. His name was Chuck McKinley. And he was in my Sunday school class, and he said this more than once. He said, when I get to heaven, he said, I just, I think he told it to everybody, but he said, when I get to heaven, he said, I want, he said, I want my Lord and Savior to look at me and said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Do you ever think about if we had that attitude in everything we do, what a joy it would be to get to heaven? My wife said this week and kind of hit me. She's like, I don't know that everybody's going to be real excited when they walk in the doors. I'm like, could be me. What if we're like standing outside the gates like, it's almost like walking in the house at 2 o'clock in the morning. Has anybody ever done that? You're like, here it goes. 
it's going to be rough. <laughs> is, that, is that the way we want to get to heaven? Like, oh, what's he going to say? How's this going to go? Oh, I, I, I want to I walk in the gates of heaven and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, I don't want to like, I hope he's having a good day. I hope this goes well. No, I, I want everything that I've done for him to be intentional. Uh, I want to take action. I want to stay motivated while doing it. That's the hard part, isn't it? To stay motivated while being diligent about serving him. Well, I wonder why it's hard to stay motivated. Because we've got an enemy. We've got Satan against us. Everything we do, he's against us. It's tough to stay motivated when, when you've got bullets, fiery darts flying at you, isn't it? And they can come from all different directions. They can come from your spouse. They can come from your wicked wife. <laughs> the God you gave me. <laughs> it, can, it can come from your friends. It can come from your kids. It can come from your preacher. We get fiery darts in the house of our friends. It can come from those at work. That's where they come from. We, we don't, we're not surprised when we get those little fiery darts from lost people, are we? It comes everywhere. It comes from the news. Uh, we... Do you understand this world that we live in does not want us to be happy? It wants us to lose motivation. And if we lose motivation, we're not working for God, we're working for the other side. It wants us to lose focus, our enemy. He wants us to put things off, to put things off. He wants us to procrastinate. Do you know procrastination is, is one of the biggest killers in the workplace? At school and in your everyday life, procrastination. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And I, I know because I'm like Peter. I have experience with this. I'm a, I don't like to do things. And my wife says, will you just quit putting it off? <laughs> Why? If I put it off, I can worry about it later. And no, you just worry about it now and tomorrow and the next day and then later. I see this evil trait rubbing off on our kids with their schoolwork. comes about Sunday night, and we get home from church, and my wife says, I hear her at the other end of the house, what do you mean you got a report due tomorrow? <laughs> what do you mean you got homework this weekend? It's procrastination. It, it, it's, it's, it's evil, and I know it, but I, I enjoy it. It's like a blanket. I just wrap myself in it and think that it's great. <laughs> You're all that way. Is there anybody in here that's not a procrastinator? There's a few special kind of people. My sister's like, not me. <laughs> Let's get at it and get it done. I don't know how we're so different. <laughs> but I procrastinate on stuff. Like, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll do it. And, and I, I like to rank it as my, uh, my list of priorities. That's pretty low on the list. No, it's, I'm just procrastinating. <laughs> I'm putting it off. I'm, I'm procrastinating. I try to do better. It's just the way I'm made. And don't get comfortable. That's, the, that's the, the third thing on the don't do list. Don't get comfortable. I think too many Christians, they get comfortable. Do you know what comfortable Christians do? Nothing. Comfortable Christians do absolutely nothing for the glory of God. Why would they? They're comfortable. If you were serving God, what's the enemy going to do? Don't throw fiery darts at you. We don't like that. So let's just get comfortable. If we're comfortable, we don't have to worry about the attacks. 
if we're comfortable, we're not moving forward. We're just comfortable. It's like a, a lazy, snowy Saturday on the couch that's comfortable. You're not doing anything. There's no production. Nothing's getting done because nobody's fighting against you. It's comfortable. So in all this, let's, let's read the definition of diligence again. Diligence means always giving your best effort to complete a task. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. When you practice diligence, you spend your time and effort in a willing, consent manner to successfully set and accomplish your goals as you see your project through in its entirety. What project are we talking about? Serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. You know, I've noticed, and I've experienced this, but I noticed this in people. Why do more people not serve the Lord? That this. This, we, could, we could spend a month on this message and not get through it. And we're gonna, I'm doing my best to get us out of here on time today. <clears throat> what keeps people from not serving the Lord? Well, I'm glad you asked because look here, verse Peter, uh, 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 5 says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now remember last week, a couple weeks ago, I said that, that God's in the multiplication business. And Jamie and I was at this auction yesterday, and apparently some guy thought when he was bidding on something, he was adding, but it was actually multiplication. And then when he went to pay his bill, he said, what? How much? And, and the auctioneer kind of threw a fit because the guy had bought these cardboard flats of tools. And I think the guy thought he was buying them all for 30 bucks, but it ended up being like, I don't maybe $30 a tool. Or something. I don't know what happened. So there was like nine boxes. <laughs> and the guy said, whoa, I thought I was buying them all for that. And he said, nope, that's a piece. Yeah, but he's 30 bucks a piece. Yeah, he thought. So what is that? That's multiplication. We like multiplication when it's coming in at us. But when it's our bill, when we buy nine boxes at 30 bucks a piece, phew, you go to pay your bill and he's like, not only will my wife kill me, my bank will kill me. <laughs> so he came back in. He's like, All right, you got to sell them again. And they sold them again. He wasn't happy about it. <clears throat> but that's, that's multiplication. It, it happens fast. And it's expected fast. That's, that's the beauty of multiplication. But what did God tell us to add to the faith? Remember, we've talked about faith. It's a given. God gave it to us. That's what we start with. And God says, add to your faith virtue. Well, well, why? Give your due diligence to it. Because, what, what's virtue? Here's another one of, these, one of these words we don't always use a lot, but virtue is this. It's, it's morality. But lost people want to be moral, don't they? The reason lost people want to be moral is so that people will trust them and do business with them. The auctioneer we were at yesterday, he wanted to be moral if nobody saw his immorality. That's how the world works. Jamie and I was talking, I'm like, see how slick that guy was? He would talk people into buying the whole lot. Just He would talk people into doing something they really didn't want to do because they were thinking, they were doing the math in their head, and they were thinking, oh, how much of these do I want? And the auctioneer would be like, it's just five bucks, just get them all. Okay. <laughs> it's not very moral. Maybe the guy didn't have that much money that he wanted to spend, and he, was, he did it all day. It's just a real subtle way of his... Is making people choose and do things without them even realizing they were doing it. 
but yet he wanted to be strict and honest, and so many times he said this, this is being recorded, this is being recorded, I didn't cheat you, I didn't do this, that, and the other. What is that? They wanted their morality to shine through so that you would trust them and do business with them. That shouldn't be the reason that we want our morality to shine through. wonder why the Bible wants us to be moral. So that people will look at you and I and say, there's something different about them. There's something different about them. That, that's where our morality, that's why it should lie. That's why we should be moral. Because there is something different about us than there are with lost people. The difference with us and lost people is the divine nature that we have. There's someone living inside. The old man is dead. Our ways are not our ways. Our ways are his ways. That's the morality that should go through so that the world doesn't look at us as the biggest death blow to Christianity is this hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. We see the hypocrisy in Hollywood like a blinking light. And what do we say? They're a bunch of hypocrites. How, who are they? To, I saw that meme. I, I think I shared it. I don't remember. Who are they to wear black dresses at whatever their little pat on the back show was, zip down to their belly button with their cleavage hanging out to protest whatever they're protesting. I, I, it's, so, it's so hypocritical you can't even pay attention to what they're doing because all they do is make money off of seduction and off of sexuality. And I'm not saying that, that their message is wrong, but it's their, it's their reasons behind it because the morality is gone. It's the hypocrisy that's there. But even beyond that, when the Bible talks about virtue, it's talking about honor. And it's talking about integrity. And it's talking about our behavior. So virtue is not just morality. Virtue is the honor that we have in ourselves, and not just ourselves, but the way we honor our Heavenly Father. Remember when we read Proverbs 30? A virtuous woman is hard, it's hard to find. Virtuous anybody is hard to find. Because it's the way we behave. It's the way we handle ourselves. So God says, God says that on top of our faith, we're to add this. This is, this is going to be a math quiz. I hope we get done with this math, math problem today. So our virtue, and then to look verse number five, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue, knowledge. Knowledge. What's so important about knowledge? Oh, if you'll remember from what he said earlier in this chapter, that we obtain grace, the God of all graces, and the God of all peace through knowledge. So knowledge is no more than understanding. And, it's, and, and knowledge is even a little bit, because see, the world seeketh after knowledge, <clears throat> but knowledge is understanding, and knowledge also comes through this, through experience. Wisdom is God-given. We, you, you've either got it or you don't. Anybody know a dingbat? <laughs> dingbats, they lack in wisdom. <laughs> they, they just don't have it. It's, it's tough. It's, it's hard. <laughs> But knowledge, you can be a dingbat and know some stuff, right? <laughs> so you can, you can overcome wisdom with knowledge, and knowledge is wisdom from understanding. 
it's when you don't put your hand on a stove because you know it's hot. That's knowledge. That's not wisdom. Every kid in here, you've probably had to tell a kid, don't touch that, it's hot. And then what do they do? <laughs> How hot is it? <laughs> really? Oh, it's hot. <laughs> and then you got to deal with that, right? That, that's when wisdom was out the window and knowledge had to come in and teach a lesson. <clears throat> so, why should we be virtuous and why do we need this knowledge? So that we can have peace and grace from God. See how this is all kind of, just, just a little wink. Peter's a little wink. Pay attention to this. Watch this. He's, he's grabbing our attention. Do your diligence. Do your best. Try as hard as you can to do this. To add to your faith, we've already got that, but to add to your faith, virtue. God wants a moral people. God wants a well-behaved people. Is that, is that anything new? It's kind of what Christians get a bad rap for, isn't it? I, I want you to understand this, that when I say this church is, is usually your preacher, is not a legalistic preacher. I'm not. I try not to be a legalistic pastor because that does damage for the kingdom of God. But I also try not to be a liberal preacher. And, oh my gosh, I didn't wear a tie today. Some people would think that a preacher that doesn't wear a tie is liberal. No, 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 no. <clears throat> A preacher that doesn't wear a tie doesn't care about... Do you know how much of the Bible is about behavior? Showing and telling Christians how to behave themselves. And a liberal preacher wouldn't care how a Christian behaves themselves. You know what? I care about how we, we behave ourselves because if we live a moral integrity and honor and behavior... Hey, it's better for our, just our health, isn't it? Isn't it better for your health? I don't even think the Surgeon General would, if he smoked 10 packs of cigarettes a day. See what I mean? Even our government tells us that some of these things is not good for us. And then when other people look at us, they say, they must not care about their bodies. They say their bodies is the temple of God, and yet they do all this. Hey, here's where I get it. <clears throat> Oh, man, we, yesterday we got a, a greasy sausage McMuffin sandwich. I'm going to tell on you, Jamie. And then we ate a greasy cheeseburger, and then we ate some greasy fish sandwich. And, and here's Jamie. This stuff will kill you. This'll, this will, he's, I'm like, I'm getting convicted because he's thinking about what the stuff we're putting in our body, and I'm just like... It's fast, it's quick, it's easy. <laughs> but what's the difference in that, right? We'll, we'll get to another one of these. Oh, here it is. Let's, let's keep going. Virtue, knowledge, verse number six. And to knowledge, temperance. What in the world is temperance? I never, nobody's ever told me to be a temperate person. I guess I'm just not supposed to lose my temper. No. What is temperance? It's, it's self-control. What? That's what temperance is? Yep. And to our knowledge, we're going to add temperance is self-control. Ooh. Do you, do you, if you took a snapshot of, of a society 50 years ago and compared it to a snapshot of society of today, that word, temperance, self-control, is what the difference is. 
from a, from a society of 50 years ago today and a society today, the problems in life all stem around temperance. And if you've ever tried to instill self-control in your children, it's hard to do. Self-control. Controlling oneself. Because why? This flesh is powerful, isn't it? Yeah, this flesh, when it gets what it wants, and we let it get what it wants, that's not self-control. But to control ourself, to control our body, is hard to do. Has anybody noticed that? Anybody ever tried to control your body? Do you, do you know, I think one of the reasons that, the, that, that, that fasting is so underrated and so underpreached about is because it takes a lot of self-control to fast, doesn't it? I ever purposely, intentionally just gone a whole day and said, Lord, I think I'm going to fast today. If you haven't ever done it, this would be a good week to do it. I'll tell you when's a real good time to do it is when, not when you're busy. <laughs> not, don't, don't fast when you're busy. It's easy to do then. <clears throat> My dad will be working with me. He'll say, are, you, are we going to eat? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Let's, well, I guess we could. When, when you're busy, fasting's like that big of an accomplishment. Do it on a snowy Saturday when you're stuck at the house and there's potato chips in the pantry and candy bars in the cupboard that you've got hid away. And try fasting that day when, when there's nothing going on, when you're not busy. You'll understand what self-control is that day. Christy gets on me all the time. What are you doing in there? We just ate. I don't know. I wasn't even thinking about it. I just went to the kitchen. I'm not controlling myself. Temperance. Temperance. Not giving into the flesh. So add to our virtue knowledge. Add to our knowledge, temperance. <clears throat> We're going to skip the next one. <clears throat> okay. I think we all know what that one is. And to temperance, patience. Should we skip it? Let's, let's all skip it. I looked it up because I'm not very good at it. <clears throat> Self-restraint, which is different than self-control. What is self-constraint? See, we, we think, oh, I bet that temperance is losing your temper. But no, that patience is losing your temper. Because more times than not, when we're not patient, it's because we've not given the situation enough time, and we've blown up, spouted off, kicked something, thrown something. We've lost our patience. Now, what we say, I lost, I lost my patience. I don't even put it that flowery and nice when I have to apologize to somebody. I just say, I'm sorry, I threw a fit. That's all we're doing. I've, I've told it to my kids before. Been out working on something and lost it. Smashing your finger or something. Just, you guys are really learning how evil and wicked your preacher is this morning. I throw fits. I have been known to throw fits. And I've had to apologize to my kids. Sorry, I threw a fit. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't just flower it up and sorry, sorry I lost my patience. No, I didn't lose my patience. I threw a fit. But that is patience. I, I have very little patience. <clears throat> Avery has this skill that we're just discovering that she is really good at like tedious stuff. Like coloring. <laughs> I don't know what. She, she got some coloring books for Christmas, like adult 
with the really skinny markers and stuff. Like I look at that and I'm just like, what? I don't. I couldn't even think about doing that. <clears throat> and then sewing. She's like interested in sewing, and so. But this is the great part because now if I have something that that has a sticker that doesn't come off, has anybody experienced this struggle in life? <clears throat> you have a sticker that doesn't come off, and I'll get my pocket knife out and scrape the paint off to get the sticker off. Well, now I can give it to Avery because why? She has patience. She, she doesn't just blow up and take her pocket knife out and scratch the paint. We have someone in our house that has patience. I don't know that we've ever had that before. <laughs> but we now have someone in our house that has patience. She has self-restraint. And she doesn't blow up on, off the handle. And that is a godly trait that I don't have. I don't, I'm not a very patient person. Is anybody a patient person in here? I think if you were a knitter or if you were a colorer or if you were a nitpicky little stuff like that <laughs> that's patience I am a swing the hammer get the chainsaw out if it's faster than a saw saw that's me let's get at it get it done and make a mess and then let whoever I'm working for clean it up that's Evan he's been my patient person this week I make a mess and he's cleaning it up because <laughs> he's patient I'm not patient that's not me but it's not just patience in that aspect. It's basically this, taking a step back, taking a deep breath, and giving it a second. That's patience. And I think if we all did that in life, it would be really good for us to just take a step back, take a breath, think the situation through, and then deal with it. It's self-restraint because so many times I'm a blow-up-off-the-handle kind of guy. And whoever's around might get hurt. Whoever's around might get offended. Whoever around is whatever. It's just self-constraint. It's, it's patience. Okay, verse. let's get off that one now because I'm not very good at it. Verse number six. And to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience. Ooh, and to patience, godliness. What? is godliness. We've probably all heard at a funeral somewhere somebody talking about how godly of a person they were. Am I right? I hope that's said about me at my funeral. Honey, will you say that about me at my funeral? <laughs> what is godliness? The best thing I can think of this week is like, because there's something that is bigger and wider spread than, than godliness. There's something that's easier to see than godliness, and it's the antonym. Is that why it's word this week? It's the antonym to godliness, and it's this. It's worldliness. It's the opposite of godliness. The opposite of godliness is worldliness. So all we have to do to understand what godliness is is just look at the world and do the opposite. Look at the world and think the opposite. Look at the world and have different motivation than what the world does. That's godliness. Godliness is us working at God's will and not our will. The world looks at what they want and their ambition is towards that. Remember when I said the morality of that auctioneer yesterday? The reason that he was toting his morality was not so that we would look at God and say, wow, he's a good God. It would, no, it's so that we'd do business with him. That's the world's ambitions for morality. 
our ambitions for morality and godliness and worldliness ought to be this, so that when people look at us, they see God through us. So that when they see us, they see our will, they see God's will and not our will. It's the opposite of what the world wants. That's godliness. Godliness is reverence to God and His commands. That's godliness. Godliness is lifting Him up and not ourselves. Because remember, we're supposed to have self-control. We're supposed to have self-restraint. We are to die to self. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins. So if he wasn't concerned about his flesh, and if he wasn't concerned about, oh, geez, what did he say on the cross? Not my will be done, but thy will be done. Isn't that what he prayed right before he went to the cross? That's exactly what we should do. We should want what God wants, not what we want. <clears throat> do you think Peter woke up that morning and said, man, I can't wait to, wait to slay the fish today. Anybody's ever been fishing, that's, that's why you go fishing, to slay the fish. Jesus comes up to the boat and said, follow me. Peter said, okay, that's godliness. That's godliness. Doing what God wants, not, not what you want necessarily. That's godliness. Godliness is a reverence toward God and what God calls holy. It's holiness. It's holiness. So, how do we distinguish the difference between godliness and worldliness? We can see the thoughts and the attitudes of the world. I'm talking about in Sunday school this morning. The agenda that the world has. The sodomite agenda, for one. God is explicitly against that in the Bible. Totally and utterly against that. I talked about the, the what was last Sunday night? What was, what was that, the uh, Grammys? I knew there'd be a worldly guy in here. <laughs> the, the, what did, how were they dressed? Were they dressed godly or worldly? I, I wouldn't even want my kids to watch that show from, from Trashy. Yeah. Yeah, hookers, one meme I, I saw said. They're, they're, they were dressed worldly. Hey, we're to dress the opposite of that. We're to dress modestly, virtuously, godly. Oh, not, 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 just the, not just the motives, but the attitude and how they do it. Because they want everybody to join them, because if everybody joins them, then it's not so bad. It's not as bad if everybody's doing it. Hey, how do, how do most Christians justify their sin? How do kids justify their sin? Everybody's doing it. You ever been to a party here, man? Have one of these, have this, hit this. How does drugs get so rampant and involved? Because somebody offered it to somebody because they're trying to spread their immorality, their sin. Because when we share our sin, it takes some of the justification. It's okay, everybody's doing it. That's why we all want to do that, right? That's the motives behind it. That is not godliness because it doesn't reverence God, it reverences ourselves. We're not picking up God and what He wants, and we're trying to drag other people in our sin to justify our sin. And it's a cancer. Sin is a cancer. Sin will run through a family. Sin will run through a church. Sin is rampant and runs through the world, and everything that sin touches, it hurts and it harms. Worldliness involves 
people and it doesn't care what happens to people. Worldliness is what makes the flesh feel good. And remember, we're, we're talking about virtue is, is, is morality and, and temperance is self-control and patience is self-restraint and worldliness is whatever the flesh wants. It's worldliness. And God doesn't want us involved with worldliness. God wants us involved with godliness. I don't think anybody can argue with that. Is it good for a Christian to be worldly? Nope. I'm, I'm not being legalistic. It's not good for a Christian to be worldly. We ought not be worldly. We ought to do the opposite of what the world does. <clears throat> let's keep going. Verse number 6, let's read that one again. To knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. Verse number 7. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. We're in Springfield yesterday, and somebody knew they were going to need a jump start when we left. Because <laughs> I had to have a jump start to leave. We're driving down the road. I shut it off and went to hit the key, and nothing. I'm like, had to let out the clutch and, and jump start it while we're going down the road. And I thought, ugh. So I'm thinking all day, I'm going to have to find somebody to give us a jump. Anybody ever been in that position? You just feel like, I don't want to somebody I don't want to do this so I didn't even tell Jamie I went outside I'm like I'm gonna get this truck started so he doesn't have to worry about it sneak off and leave him in there to spend money and I got in the parking lot and I'm just standing there I'm like Lord who would you have me ask and I'm listening for a diesel truck because I knew it'd be easier for them and I hear a diesel truck and I kind of flagged him down and I was like hey I said I, I you just I'm like I said I, I hate to be this guy I really do I said, and I'm thinking, he, he's looking at me like I'm going to ask for money. He's already like, and I said, I need a jump. And he was just like, oh. <laughs> almost been quicker if I'd asked him for five bucks. <clears throat> so he's like, okay, where are you at? I'm, like, I'm right there, the hood up, got the cables on already. I said, I, I, I promise I will not take much of your time. I feel so bad about this. Okay, he pulls over there, he gets out, and he's got side terminals, which you've, if you've ever tried to jumpstart a vehicle with side terminals, they are directly from Satan himself. He had that planned from the beginning when they invented side terminal batteries, and it wasn't working. <clears throat> and he lost his temperance, <laughs> and he lost his morality, and I mean, it, it, was, it was not going good. And I said, hey man, I appreciate you helping me probably been a good time to witness to him but he was not in the mood and I could tell <laughs> I said hey man I really appreciate you helping me but I think I'm gonna let you go he's like okay I thought "Ooh!" I shook his hand he wasn't real happy about it shut his hood and I thought man that was like the opposite of brotherly kindness that was the opposite of brotherly kindness he didn't want to help me he knew it was going to hinder his day he, he, it was going to mess his plans up. Maybe they had. Maybe he did just have like five. I've been in that position before. Like I'm always running late. How many? How many of you's running late between me? Besides me and the sheets, we're always running late. I never have time to help people. So when some, I'm like, oh, okay, can we do it quick? <laughs> There's my patience again. I guess. <clears throat> maybe he was in a hurry to get out of there. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know his story, but that was the opposite of brotherly kindness, and I'm taking a lesson away from that because when my patience is gone and I'm in a hurry and somebody asks me for something, that's the most important thing at the time. Am I right? Because that's brotherly kindness. <clears throat> it didn't work out. So what does what do I have to do again? No, I got to find somebody else. 
I'll give it a minute so that somebody else doesn't see that that guy was trying to help me and couldn't get it done is what was going through my head. <clears throat> so I'm driving through there and there's a guy stopped on his phone and I'm like, he's not in a hurry. <laughs> I walked up to him. I said, I said, I hate to be that guy. He said, what do you need? I said, I can't get my truck started. Where you at? Right over there. Sure. You come in the end of it. Great guy. Great guy, Christian. Why? Brotherly kindness. He went out of his way to help me. His wife was in a hurry, I could tell. <laughs> but he wasn't. Brotherly kindness. And, and I left, like when he left, I felt good. I, I felt like I wasn't a burden because of brotherly kindness. Look at the difference of there. Look at the difference of that. Do you, do you know that's what God wants us to be towards everybody. God's saying, I don't care if you're not patient and you're in a hurry. I don't care if you, if it might hurt your vehicle or whatever, help, help somebody out. And, and that's what I'm thinking when the first guys helped me. I'm like, oh gosh, if this guy's battery explodes, he is going to flip his lid. He's liable to shoot me and I'm not even packing today to shoot him back and all this stuff. I'm like, it's going to be bad. <clears throat> but the second guy, I thought, man, if this guy's battery blows up, like, We'll have a good time going to AutoZone and buying two batteries. This is going to be great. Uh, like, the difference was is that he didn't care to help because he was kind. And I didn't feel like a burden because he was kind. We had a good conversation. Found, found, got to witness to the nice guy, didn't dare with the mean guy. But uh, look how that goes. We, we had something in common. We had a brotherly connection, brotherly kindness. You know, that's, that's how we should be, kind to one another, no matter what the circumstances is. I see some elbows flying. We better get to the next one. <clears throat> and to brotherly kindness, what are we supposed to add? Charity. Charity. Now, I, I kind of I, I, I allocated the brotherly kindness to that guy jump-starting me. That was kind. The brotherly kindness with that conversation was, was the attitude that was on his face when he rolled down his window. That's the brotherly kindness. The attitude that was on his face, the sure, what do you need? That's brotherly kindness. The charity comes in when he came over and said, yep, my wife wants to go out to eat, but we're going to go help you start your truck or whatever they had, whatever, whatever it was. It was char charity is this, love in action. That's what charity is. It's not just saying something or writing something, but it's, it's doing something. That's, that's charity. So Peter says, God says, do your due diligence to add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, brotherly kindness, and charity. What is that? That is a recipe for a happy Christian life. And God knows it. He made us that way. And it's not just a recipe for a happy life. It's also a recipe for a willing servant. That when we get all the, when we try our best, when we put our best foot forward, and when we absolutely focus on these steps, when we don't get comfortable and give up, 
when we care and have concern about other people's feelings, that's when we'll have this down. And that's when we'll be ready to serve the Lord and not serve ourselves. That's when we'll put other people first and us second. That's when we get to heaven, God will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we won't be going, oh, hope he's in a good mood. Hope, hope Neil didn't just walk in and make him all mad. Evan's not here, so. That, that'll make good servants. God knows that'll make good servants. God wants what's best for us, but he also wants his kingdom expanded. And when lost people see these traits and these characteristics, they'll listen. We have the most valuable, the most important, the biggest gem in the entire world and is this, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he was raised for th in three days. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And if we say it like the first guy that jumped our battery, yeah, what do you need? It ain't going to work. It's, it's not going to work. But if we do it out of charity, love and action, if we do it with brotherly kindness, the world will listen. I look at it with this. My, my biggest struggle, well, I've several of them on this list, but my patience, I look at this and I think, if my kids see me throwing a holy tantrum fit, I'm not talking about a Pentecostal fit, but because something didn't go my way, a truck wouldn't start or whatever, how are they going to add to their list with this? Am I right? How are they going to add brotherly kindness and charity to their list? Because they're looking at me. How are they going to treat people if I don't treat people well? How are they going to do it? If I'm snickering and murmuring, how are they going to, they're not going to do that. It's not beneficial to my children for the next generation of Christians that are coming up. It's not good for God's economy and His kingdom. <clears throat> so let's go down through the list one more time just so you got it. I saw a lot of you writing it down. This is an add-on list. Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. Look at verse number 8. For if... These things be in you and what? Abound. Abound. If these things be in you and they bounce out at people, if they bounce out on the situation, if that is the first thing to arise, they abound, they make that ye shall never be barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you really want to get to know God, if you really want to know what God's about, if you really want to know what holiness is, if you really want to know what patience with me is, I, I, I look at God's patience level and I think, whew, towards me. If I see how I have been hurt by other people or how I have hurt other people and I look at how God's attitude towards me, hey, that, that perks my knowledge up. I see how my actions treat God, how, how me not willing to do what he wants hurts our Heavenly Father. I, I see that. Hey, I, I want to be fruitful. Does anybody want to be fruitful? 
I want to be. What happens to trees that aren't fruitful? They're given a little bit of time, and if they continue to be unfruitful, Jesus said, whack it down and burn it. Hey, I, I, I want... I don't want to be barren. I, I want to be fruitful. I, I, that's what I want from my life. I want that from my family's life. And more than anything, I want that from this church. I want us to be fruitful. I want us to be charitable. I want us to be brotherly kind. I want us to be godly. I want us to be patient. I, wa- I want us to be temperate. I, 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 want all, I, I need these things in my life. And I know you guys are just as wicked as I am. Am I right? Some of you more, some of you less. We all need this. We're all made of the same thing. But here's the good part when I look at this list. God didn't say, instant, this is the way you got to be. And if you're not, you're a piece of junk. No, God said to add, to continue to add. It's a slow process. You're a 39-year-old preacher. <laughs> I look at this and I'm like, oh, there's, there's still some chances if I just keep adding, if I just keep adding a little by little, if I just keep adding. So last week I talked about, eh, if I croak this week, no big deal. Christy, she's got all the kids handled. I'll just go to heaven. But I kind of looked at this list a little different this week and I, I looked at it like this. Lord, I want a little bit more time to add all these things to my life. I want a little bit more time so that I can keep adding these things. Hey, I don't want to get, what was our list? I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to, I don't want to procrastinate. I don't want to lose focus. I want, I want some time to work on these things. I don't want to put it off. I don't want to procrastinate. I don't want to be comfortable where I'm at. I, I don't want to, I don't want to lose focus on what he wants in my life. I, I want to continue to get, to get better. That sounds like a good plan for 2018 if we just work on just getting better. I want to get better. I, w- I want to get better for the Lord. I want to get better so that my wife doesn't have such a horrible husband. Wouldn't that be nice, honey? Just no comment. <laughs> I-, I want to get better for my kids so that they have a better dad. I, I want to get better for this church so you're like, our preacher's a pretty good guy. You can say that someday. <laughs> I-, I-, I want to continue on this list. To bring glory to God, not myself. That's, that's what I want in life. I, I, want, I want better than what I have, and I have better than what I once had. Isn't that the way it should be? It's a progression. It, it's adding. It's adding. Don't, don't get disgruntled if it doesn't happen overnight. Hey, don't get comfortable if it's not happening overnight. Be intentional. Take action and stay motivated. Here's your three points in a poem. Let's get out of here. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Lord, I... I pray that, Lord, you would continue to work on me and not give up on me. And, Lord, I I thank you for the encouragement that I get through your word. And, Lord, we thank you for uh, services today and these folks that were willing to get out on a cold morning and to come hear me ramble. And I just pray that it was beneficial. And, and Lord, I just uh, give you this day. I pray that you watch over each and every one of us, Lord, and you keep us safe. And, Lord, I'm excited about tonight. Lord, I pray that you bring every one of us back here tonight and we'll... We'll see what happens to the, the Incas, I believe, and, and see how you moved and worked in their past and, and, and uh, Lord, prepared the gospel for them. And, Lord, if there's someone in here this morning that's not saved, Lord, I pray that you'd give them the courage and the boldness, Lord, to just do what the Bible says, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord be saved. And, and Lord, I pray that they would share that with someone today. And, and Lord, we love you today. 
we thank you for the services that we've had, and, and we pray for the folks that were sick. And we just ask you to watch over us today and keep us safe on these sketchy roads, and we'll continue to serve you and continue to grow and continue to abound. And we ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.